Entry 48, hands-on mode activated. As a marketing leader, you can get carried away with strategic work, but sometimes the key is in the details. It's vital and can actually drive critical results. Some of the errors that have been getting my attention recently, number one, UTM tracking setup. Are we getting valuable and actionable data from these? What role does it play in our strategy and decision-making now we're running a full demand gen play? Number two, organic LinkedIn posting strategy review. Is our channel living up to its purpose, a place where our audience can find tips, tactics, and insights that will make their work day better, all in feed? The finding, too much us and not enough them. Number three, technical SEO. This one is definitely unglamorous work. I'm getting pretty familiar with every URL and redirect across our 400 plus pages and counting. Number four, BOFU content, paid ads execution. This one has been very valuable, a combination of changing the way we work and looking at new ways to execute. Big picture strategy stuff is certainly important, but if the rest doesn't follow, then what point is that strategic deck deck that's collecting dust in the corner? I view all of these pieces as the building blocks to stacking our growth, enabling us to hit those revenue goals. LinkedIn post ends. I think you can see throughout the course of this diary, um, like where I suddenly go from strategic mode into hands-on mode. And this is definitely a moment where I was obviously full blown hands-on mode. Um, so digging a bit into more detail into those things that I turned my attention to and looking at why they were important and I guess the focus that I had on them. Number one, the UTM tracking setup. So I think we all know that tracking demand gen is difficult and it's going to be far less directly attributable in many ways to that old lead gen MQL hamster wheel motion that we were running. Um, but we did really want to get forensic with it to the extent that it was possible. We wanted to be able to understand it how individual initiatives and activities were having, which ones of those were having the biggest impact so that we knew where we could place our chips in order for scale. Um, and while we could look at it from a broad top level picture and say, yeah, this is working, we see the correlation impact and broadly speaking, everything seems to be running pretty smoothly. We, we really needed that layer deeper in terms of data insight and analysis. So that meant going back to the drawing board in terms of how we set up our UTMs. And this task was really one of those times when I just needed to roll up my sleeves, assess how the process would work with our marketing ops team, and then start implementing it throughout the org. And ultimately, those insights have been like critically valuable for us. It's how we run all of our analysis across all of our channels, whether it be paid or organic. Um, and that in combination with the qualitative data we get through our how did you hear about us form, helps inform the decisions that we're making in terms of where we want to invest more resource when it comes to the demand gen initiatives that are really driving that growth. Um, and it's been a massive unlock. So definitely spend time reviewing, analyzing that UTM setup when you make the pivot, um, make sure it's fit for purpose and it's going to give you the data you need. Um, yeah, and it's just one of those things that's painful and needs to be thought through, but ultimately will have incredible value on the other end. Number two, organic LinkedIn posting strategy review. So we had got into a little bit of a rut here where we knew we had sort of broadly said, you know, link our LinkedIn organic company page is for value added content. But what was happening was parts of the business were operating slightly in silo and against their own objectives and were coming to those people responsible for posting on LinkedIn and saying, can we fit this into the schedule? Can we post this promotional sort of webinar, um, like invite sign up, invite driving post, can we promote this case study, et cetera, et cetera. And ultimately they were not about adding value to our audience and they went against our core principles of operating. And so what I wanted to do, I wanted to go back to basics and I just wanted to like really make sure that we started um, scrutinizing everything. 
And so what I did is I worked really closely with the marketer who was looking after our LinkedIn channel at the time. And we just put a really strict line in the sand. Absolutely no promotional content at all, none. Everything has to be value-based. That meant there were no blurred lines. And it, it meant we were able to keep very true to our mission. And it took a couple of weeks for us to settle into this idea and for everyone to get used to it. And we'd still probably have a few requests, like, can we you know, share this case study on the LinkedIn page, et cetera, et cetera. And at that point, I would just step in and say, no, that there's a better way for that to be promoted. Like, what's your objective here? Let's look at how like that should actually be distributed rather than just like thoughtlessly posting it on LinkedIn. And then after the first two or three weeks, we were back to being completely value focused and our LinkedIn has grown from strength to strength since then. And in fact, our follower growth has increased 84% more between January and November this year in comparison to March and to December last year, with engagement rate being up 47% at the same time period. So that really validated that shift that we made. And similarly, I guess we've just done similarly, but differently, um, another sort of audit on our LinkedIn organic strategy at the start of this year, which is January 2023. And we've really looked at the audience this time and the makeup of our follower base. And we've been looking at the type of content that we produce and trying to map that to that audience type. So, for example, we found that we have a lot of individual contributors that follow us on our LinkedIn organic page. And that is probably driven by the fact that most of our content really goes to that individual contributor. And so what we want to do is we start to move more up market and we're more focused on the fact that we know there are multiple stakeholders involved in every deal, et cetera, et cetera. We want to start building out content for that top down audience and we want to start and the middle out as well um, with the impetus on growing those audience sizes that follow us on our LinkedIn organic page. So now we are focused on not only providing valuable content through that page, but also splitting that content up into who does this actually talk to and target? Is it bottom up, middle out, top down, and making sure that we're having broad coverage across all three. Um, and I think that will hopefully show to be game changing for us across this year in terms of the makeup of the follower base we, we create going forward. Um, okay, and then on to technical SEO. So why was I worried about technical SEO? So up until not too long ago, we didn't actually have any, I guess, all out and out SEO expertise in the house. It was really just myself and the senior content manager that handled it. Um, and much of my knowledge is really just self-taught and just from being hands-on and sort of scaling that out in previous roles. Um, so we definitely had some technical SEO debt and gap in terms of knowledge. What we did do was that I was, but, and what we what we had done in terms of the technical SEO side of things was all being actioned by myself. And that was very much like a bottleneck and a blocker as well from a time perspective. And it was also definitely not the most glamorous of tasks um handling url redirects etc etc um so it really got to the stage when i realized that the amount of work needed to be done to keep our health score up alongside all our other sea related work that we were doing just didn't scale so we needed to bring in resource to cover these tasks so that i could be freed up to look at other areas etc so i think just me getting into the nitty-gritty of like really analyzing those reports that we got through my hrefs every every week and every month and understanding sort of the extent of that technical SEO debt and the problems that needed to be solved really helped shine a light on that missing element within our within our engine and the required focus that we needed there. And since we've implemented, you know, onboarding a website manager as well as working with an external dev agency and um, some technical SEO experts, it's been like game changing for us. So I think that was like a yeah a good wake up call in that situation. Um, and then on Bofu ad, ex ad execution. So 
this has been one of the biggest reasons I think for our success in our shift from lead gen to demand gen. So something I don't think we truly understood when we pivoted away from lead gen was that we we needed to over index on all of our bottom of funnel content that we created. So I think people can get caught up in, oh, it's all thought leadership and content, but it's also very much product and social proof. And so we needed to start thinking carefully about how we were going to go about tackling this. Um, It's not something we'd put a lot of time or energy into when we were working in the other lead gen mindset. So, yeah, I think if you, when you think about this, it's about adding value to your audience, but you also need to be tying that back to your product and the and the problems that you solve for them and what that world looks like when they have that product in place and like how much of a better place it will be. So you you really need to build out this bucket and we didn't really have any supporting assets for this because we hadn't previously indexed on creating them and focusing on it. Um, and we could obviously spin up some sort of static ads that said Cognizant, you know, get Cognizant and hit your quota in 2x time or whatever else, you know, these types of static ads leading to generic landing page, that could obviously easily be done. But that wasn't what we wanted to be doing. It goes back to us always trying to push the boundaries of like, what is good enough? And like, how can we actually be adding true value, showcasing what it is that Cognizant does in unique ways, which will get across the message differently to our audience. Um, yeah, so, and how would we make them things that they wanted to engage with and actually bother to listen to or spend time with, etc. So, I have a lot of rambling there. Really sorry about that, but we, we carry on. So, what did we do? These are some of the examples of the bottom of funnel content um, that we ended up producing. And I think this is only really touching the surface on this and we'll continue to document our journey. But um, something we did was we built these ungated product tours. So we got our product marketer to just basically go run through the use case from a sales perspective of the Cognizant Chrome extension, and also from the marketing perspective, from list building and list creation, um, pushing that to a campaign, activating that data through LinkedIn ads, etc. And then we utilized those videos on persona specific landing pages. We knew that we wanted to create more open educational content about what our product looks and feels like and what it can actually do and the power of that beyond just words. And so this was one way for us to unlock it. Um, And so I've linked in the diary, you'll actually hopefully get access to, but on the hard copy or if you're watching or if you're looking at it on the web, um, links to the examples of this. And then other things we did as well were sort of shorter video ads where it might just show like three or four clicks through in terms of what Cognizant can do using its main value props. We built competitor page comparisons. So I guess on this, I think the key takeaways were being incredibly respectful of your competitors, being incredibly truthful, validating anything that you put there with like social proof and um, yeah, sources. I think that's really important. Um, another example of Bofi content was we got our CS team to talk through um, case studies as if they were from a client perspective, but because they were coming from the CSM, we weren't directly talking about any individual client. We could hack that process of requiring client sign off and that whole lengthy process that you'd have to go through um, because it was literally just our CSMs using the product, talking through a use case, which was like real life, but it was completely anonymized. And so that was really, really big unlock for us. Um, and then we also created these Novatic clickable tools, tools, which are really great. That's another way of showcasing the product in action. And you can break it down into workflows. So 
it doesn't have to be like a full product tool it could just be a specific workflow that you know is most used by a persona um we also gathered customer feedback from calls and we built like sort of I guess a social proof video which we call our wow moments which was just all of the moments from Gong calls where you know prospects um all customers have suddenly been saying wow this is exactly what I need etc etc and then finally tools and ROI calculators so we started off with just a spreadsheet for our ROI calculator um and then once we proven the value there we did build out a tool um a more sort of sophisticated tool um but yeah I think one of our key learnings from testing the above approaches is just to be human and don't shy away from promoting a video um just because it's got like a tiny mistake in it I think you'll find that throughout this audio as well um we've just tried to be like transparent we've tried to get things live and we just want to um, get things out in the world so that they're actually adding value and we haven't over-indexed on high production. Um, so small mistakes, we don't mind. We just, yeah, as long as we're getting the value across ultimately. And we do do everything with the lens of done is better than perfect. Um, and I think nine times out of 10, your audience probably prefer a more raw version of it. And I think, yeah, going back to this, I think my advice to anyone in this position would be in terms of the bottom of funnel content, that you do need diversity and it needs to be driven by in-depth knowledge and insights from your personas. That's how you're going to know what type of content you need to produce. And just, again, think outside the box. There's, as I've just shown, 101 different ways that you can be providing that bottom of funnel value content that's not just a static ad linked to a landing page. Sorry so, so much for that ramble, but hopefully some insights in there that'll be helpful.